service this Sunday evening. Let's open up with a word of prayer. Lord, it is good to be in your house tonight, and I thank you for each person who's come to worship you, come to fellowship one with another, and I pray that we would be encouraged around your holy word this evening. We do pray for our nation as we go into Memorial Day tomorrow, reflecting on those who have paid the price for us to enjoy our freedoms today. Lord, we praise you and thank you for the country we live in. Help us to be a grateful people. And tonight, as we lift up your holy name, I pray that you help us to be grateful for our Savior who gave his life for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you please stand as we lift up our voices together and sing, Blessed the nation and then my country tis a thing. Blessed the nation whose God is the Lord. Blessed the land where he reigns. Blessed the people who trust in his word and worship his glorious name. He is a loving and merciful God. We are but children of dust. He is our refuge, our strength, and our shield. And he is the Lord that we trust. My country tis of thee, sweet land of liberty, of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride, from every mountainside, let freedom Let all 
together uh, one of our newer songs we've been learning lately called It Was Finished Upon That Cross. And so I'm going to switch with Miss Taylor over here and play this song. And we'll, again, I'll help you. I'll help you to know when to come in and when to sing. So just follow me. with me if you would turn to your Old Testament to the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 13. 
as we mentioned this morning, and again, even in my opening prayer, I mentioned and prayed for us as a nation going into Memorial Day. So Kurt's class, ready to go to do their Fundamentals of the Faith. If you're going to be in Kurt's class, Fundamentals of the Faith, you're welcome to go now. And he has room for, for more if you would like to join them. Absolutely. First Chronicles chapter 13. As I mentioned, tomorrow is what? Memorial. Memorial Day. And for lots and lots of folks, as I mentioned in the bulletin, uh, they look at Memorial Day as a, a paid day off. They look at it as a day for cookouts, parties, and family gatherings, as well as friends. And while none of those things are bad, that's really not what Memorial Day is about, is it? It's really about America and the price that it costs, the price paid for you and I to enjoy the freedoms that we have. Folks, young folks mainly, largely, who stood up and said, yes, I'll go, and never were able to come back. And they paid the price for us to enjoy all the freedoms that we have. When we come to 1 Chronicles chapter 13, we come to a text that really deals with a nation and its spirituality. And part of the enjoyment of the freedom we have in the United States is the freedom of religion, the freedom to worship, freedom for you and I to pursue a walk with God without the fear of uh, intimidation or intervention. While there may be those who mock and ridicule, we have no fear of somebody kicking in the doors and hauling us away because we choose to worship Jesus Christ. Amen. America is a country that was founded on the principles of one nation under God. And we still find that woven into the fabric of our nation. But yet, you and I, every one of us realizes that that's a fragile fabric, isn't it? And in many ways, the edges are fraying as the, the, the precious gift of our freedom of faith is challenged on so many levels. When you come to First Chronicles, you find David is the king. And David looks at the condition of his nation and he says, you know what? We have a spiritual problem. For hundreds of years, from the time of Moses until King Saul, the ark had been a central point of rallying the people together to come and worship and walk with and know the Lord. But when King Saul had become king, he had kind of set that aside. And he had really focused upon himself and his leadership and his power, the things he desired to see come about, rather than focusing on the Lord. Much like what has happened in our nation. So when David looked at the nation of Israel, he said, we have a problem. And we need to take steps to solve the problem. So I want us tonight to look in 1 Chronicles chapter 13. I'm going to take us down through several verses in chapter 13. I'm going to bring us over to chapter 15. And hopefully within the time allotted, I'm going to show you how the David looks at the problem, addresses the problem, makes some mistake, but then he goes ahead and he solves the problem to secure a stronger spiritual base in the nation of Israel. My goal is to challenge you and me 
as few as we may be in the scope of all the millions in America, for you and I to pray for God to help us to recognize the problem, address the problem. Yes, we all make mistakes, but we want to resolve the problem of America that has forgotten that it's one nation under God. So look with me, if you would, at First Chronicles chapter 13. It says, And David consulted with the captains of thousands and hundreds and with every leader. And David said unto all the congregation of Israel, If it seem good unto you, and that it be of the Lord our God, let us send abroad unto our brethren everywhere that are left in all the land of Israel, and with them also to the priests and the Levites, which are in their cities and suburbs, that they may gather themselves unto us. And let us bring again the ark of our God to us, for we have inquired not at it since the days of Saul. And all the congregation said that they would do so. For the thing was right in the eyes of all the people. So David gathered all Israel together, from Shehor of Egypt, even unto the entering of Hemeth, to bring the ark of God from kirjath Jerim. And David went up, and all Israel, to Bala, that is, to kirjath Jerim, which belonged to Judah, to bring up thence the ark of God, the Lord, that dwelleth between the cherubims, whose name is on it. And they carried the ark of God in a new cart out of the house of Abinadab, and Uzzah, and Ahio drove the cart. And David and all Israel played before God with all their might, with singing and with harps and with psalteries and with timbrels, with cymbals and with trumpets. And when they came unto the threshing floor of Chidon, Uzzah put forth his hand to hold the cart, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah. And he smote him, because he put his hand to the ark, and there he died before God. Jump down with me, if you would, at verse 14. And the ark of God remained with the family of Obedidim in his house for three months. And the Lord blessed the house of Abedidim and all that he had. Why? Because David stopped right there. As soon as Uzzah was killed, it tells us that David was stirred. He was upset and he stopped. He realized, well, something's wrong. We've done something not right. David's heart was pure. He really had an intention of bringing the ark to Jerusalem. But it had gone awry. I want you to jump down a little bit farther with me, if you would. In our text, look down at chapter 15. It says, Now, um, and David made him houses in the city of David, and prepared a place for the ark of God, and pitched for it a tent. And David said, None ought to carry the ark of God but the Levites. For them hath the Lord chosen to carry the ark of God and to minister unto him forever. Look down with me in verse 12, 12 through 15. And he said unto them, Ye are the chief of the fathers of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, both ye and your brethren, that ye may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel unto the place that I have prepared for it. For because you did it not at the first, 
The Lord our God made a breach upon us, for that we sought him not after the due or the proper order. So the priests and the Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel. And the children of the Levites bear the ark of God upon their shoulders with the staves thereon, as Moses had commanded according to the word of the Lord. So as we look at this text, we see an amazing historic account unfold. David realized that the nation of Israel had neglected that which Moses had been commanded by God to create, to have as a central point for their gathering and remembering who God was and all that he had done. We just studied in Sunday school about the tabernacle and you go into the Holy of Holies and there the ark is. And within the ark were certain things. And can somebody tell me what was in the ark? Aaron's rod, which buddeth and beareth fruit. An omer of manna that came down from heaven to feed the nation of Israel. And the Ten Commandments. Absolutely, the stones that Moses had brought down from the mount. But Saul, King Saul, had, he had sought after strange gods instead of the Lord God. David wanted to get the Israel back on track. And it tells us as we approach the verses, verses 1 and 2, it says, David consulted with the captains of thousands and hundreds and every leader. And you know, that is really what's so desperately needed in our nation. Uh, yes, young people have given their lives, but we have many leaders in our nation who don't value those lives or the sacrifice paid, and they're willing to jeopardize the health and welfare of our nation by rejecting the very principles, principles and values that those young people fought and died for. Here, David knew he needed to get on track with the leadership of the nation, get them to see we need to come back to God. We need to come back to the foundation that was sent. And I believe that we as a nation, we need to do the same. So it started with the king. It tells us that it went on to the captains or the military leaders, the leaders of the day, the politicians of the day as well. And the very first part of verse two tells us even the people. And David said unto all the congregation of Israel, he reached out to all the people. Now, he didn't do that by telephone, did he? No. He didn't do it by Pony Express, because there was no Pony Express. Didn't do it by smartphone. He did it by decree. So he would send out messengers and they would post or declare and so that's what he did all through the region of Israel. He sent forth the message that we as a people need to come back to the values, the principles. We need to come back where we're seeking God and we need that, that ark to come to Jerusalem so the people will know this is the center of worship. You and I, we need to also send the message out with those people we work with, those people we live by, our family members, our friends. We too, like David, 
need to get the word out that what this nation really needs is to get back on track with the Lord. Because if I were to poll, you, poll our country, our nation, our state, if I were to say, what is it that our nation needs to focus on? I'd have some people who would stand up and say, we need to focus on EVs, electric vehicles. That's the most important thing in the whole United States. And then we'd have somebody else who would stand up. Uh, the other day I was driving down one of the country roads here and I saw a big handwritten sign on the side of the road. It said, slow down, newts in turtle crossing. So there'd be people who'd stand up and say, most important thing we have in the whole country right now is we need to take care of the newts and the turtles. And somebody else would stand up and say, the most important thing we need to do in the country is this or that or this or that. But how many people across our country would say the most important thing is we need to get back to God. We need to get back to being one nation under God. You and I, we need to get the message out that David got out to the nation of Israel. So David knew everyone needed to be consulted. And he knew that there was a problem and that problem had to be addressed. When you look at verses three and four, it says, and let us bring again the ark of our God to us. For we inquired not at it uh, in the days of Saul. And all the congregation said that they would do so. For the thing was right in the eyes of all the people. So as much as I think that our nation is divided about a million and one things, I think there is something that our nation is in common about. And that is that things are not right. Things are not well. Things are not healthy. Whether you talk to an ultra-liberal or an ultra-conservative, they all say something's wrong. Something's wrong that our young people would go into schools and, and shoot their classmates. We can blame it on guns, but guns existed before those kind of mass shootings ever happened. Something is wrong, isn't it? People going into their, their work, places of work and killing their workmates. These things didn't used to happen. What has happened in our culture, in our society, our world? Look at the, the amount of people that statistically they're saying are dying from opioid drugs and overdoses of, of uh, mismixed mis drugs. It's crazy what's happening in our culture. So whether I polled a liberal or an extreme conservative, they would all look and say to me, something's wrong. Our job is to do like David and say, hey, we need to come back to our God. He acknowledged that there was a problem, that something had changed. In fact, he addressed it when he said in verse 3, Let us bring again the ark of our God to us, for we inquired not at it in the days of Saul. He says, I look back as king, and I look to the previous king before me, King Saul, and he had stopped inquiring of God. And you and I, in our lifetime, some of us, some of you folks close to my age, in our lifetime, our short little lifetime, our country has gone from a place where we started every school day in prayer 
to a place where God's not even allowed at school. In our lifetime. That's a short time, isn't it? No different than David with Saul. David says, in that one lifetime, in that one term of office, Saul had swayed the people away from seeking the true and living God, but seeking strange gods. And you and I, in our lifetime, that's what's happened to our nation. What has gone wrong? I believe we have lost our spiritual compass as a nation. And we, you and I as the remnant, you and I as the children of God, we don't need to do like David. And we need to get our voice out there. We need to tell people, we need to be a people seeking the Lord. The irony of it is, when you take out your money, if I were to have Harmon right now take a $100 bill out of his wallet, on that $100 bill, it says in God we trust. Right? I haven't seen one, but Harmon, is, is it true? It's, you're going to look? Good man. It is true. Our military has chaplains who lead the military in prayer. They minister to them spiritually. Congress is started in prayer. It's true. Thank you very much for... Now you had to look in Kathy's purse to verify that though. You know. All right, all right, it's right here, right there. All of them, all right, all the hundreds. Good man. Even our government buildings. If you go to Washington, D.C., many of our government buildings have spiritual plaques, Bible verses, references to the Lord in all things of God. So when we look at these things, we are like David. We say to ourselves, what has happened? David could pinpoint it. And I don't think it's hard for us to pinpoint it either. And to understand how far we have veered off. David's not afraid to say it was a recent leader who pulled us astray. And while we may not be able to point to a single person, we certainly can point to a movement that has pulled our nation away from God. And we need to speak up, pray about it, share it with others, help others to understand there is a need. We can certainly see it. All the people, according to verse 4, understood. It tells us in verse 4, all the congregation said that they would do so. For the thing was right in the eyes of all the people. Now how David was able to persuade them of that, I do not know. How his messengers were able to persuade them and help them to see and understand, I do not know. But I know that if we do not put forth the effort, we will never succeed. Amen? Amen. It's the truth. If we, know, if we do not so much as try. So tomorrow when the Ark Preschool give, does their float all the way up Main Street and folks are handing out candy, they're also handing out a little American flag, and on the back is this simple gospel where people can come to know faith. Now, will anybody come to faith? I don't know. But I guarantee you that if we don't try, there's not even a chance, is there? But if we try, maybe one, maybe two, who knows? 
Who knows who will take that little American flag and tuck it in somewhere and on the back of the Bible verses of hope in Christ. We don't know, but we do know we must try. David tried. He got the message out to the people. And the people said, yes, we understand and we see. But I want you to look again with me at verses 5 and 6 in our text of 1 Chronicles 13. It tells us, so David gathered all of Israel together from Shehor of Egypt, even unto the entering of Hemath, to bring the ark of God from kirjath Jearim. And David went up and all Israel. So I want you to see there was a, a, a consorted effort there was a great effort put into this. This is not just a few people getting together and deciding, hey, let's give it a, give it a whirl. He gathered everybody. He put forth time, energy, money. He invested in making this happen. And that is what we do. Whether it be missions around the world, or whether it be children's ministries or ministering to senior saints, we give it our all, we give it our best. Now, we may be only a small church up on top of Woodman Hill, but we give it all we have. Amen? It's what we should do. And David gave it his best. Do we always do it exactly right? Sadly not. And same thing with David. Look at verses 7 on down. And they carried the ark of God in a new cart out of the house of Abinadab. And Uzzah and Ahio drove the cart, drove the cart. So imagine what happened is David said to himself, well, what's the best way to bring this ark up here? Now he made a mistake, didn't he? What should he have done? Can anybody tell me? Yeah, but maybe he didn't know. So what should he have done? How should, what should he have done to find out? Could have prayed or or he could have gone to the word of god because they had the written texts he had the word of god and all he had to do is go back and say let's go back and look at the record because he's gonna do that but instead he used what he thought was best and he said you know what the best way to transport that ark let's get a good cart and it tells us what kind of cart did he get? A new cart, brand new cart. And then I well imagine that what he did was he said, okay, who do you know that's an excellent cart driver? John Brace, John Brace. He knows how to work those oxen. Get John. And Will, Will's his buddy. Let's get Will in there too. And both of them, they can drive that cart like nobody's business. And so he gets these two guys, they're driving the cart. But what happens? Anybody notice what happened? Yeah, it says that an oxen stumbled. And when that oxen stumbled, the cart wobbled and Uzzah put his hand up. Why? To steady it. These, these folks didn't have ill intent. What did they do? They made a serious mistake. And God was angered by that because he knew you should have checked the record. You should have checked the book. 
I have an instruction manual here that tells you exactly how to transport the ark. It gives you every detail. I built it in a specific way to be born upon staves from place to place. You should have done your homework. And Uzzah dies because he touches the ark. So are mistakes made? Listen, mistakes are made by everybody. Is there anybody in here who's never made a mistake? Because I, I want to know. Usually I have one wise guy who will, but thank you for not doing that. Every one of us makes mistakes. That's why we're all sinners in need of God's grace. David makes a serious mistake. And that mistake has an impact on others. But my point to you is, if you don't try, you won't make mistakes, but neither will you ever have an opportunity to succeed. So what does David do? As soon as Uzzah dies, David says, Whoa, stop right there. That's a, we're not going any farther. Let's put this right in that guy's house right there. Now, personally, if I was that guy, I'd be saying, Wait a minute, we don't even know why Uzzah died. What are you going to do putting it in my house? But actually, when you read down in the text, it comes to his home and it says that his home is greatly blessed. For three months. And then David says, okay, I've done my homework. Now it's time to bring it the way I should bring it. So that's when we pick it up in chapter 15. It tells us that David made unto him houses in the city of David and prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. Then David said, no one should carry the ark of God, except the Levites. For them hath the Lord chosen to carry the ark of God and to minister unto him forever. Now see, David had done his homework, hadn't he? And he figured out, no, we're not supposed to be getting a new cart. No, we're not supposed to find the best cart drivers in Addison County. We are supposed to go ahead and have it carried by who? the Levites, the priests. So this is a spiritual thing that's taking place here. And David is making sure he's got all his things in order. And when we come down to verse 12 of chapter 15, it picks it up and it says, and, and David said to them, to the Levitical priests, ye are the chief of the fathers of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves. And somebody tell me, because we just did the tabernacle study, what's it mean to sanctify? Anybody? What's it mean to sanctify? John? To, to set it apart for like a holy purpose. Yeah, to cleanse for service. To cleanse for God's service. So they would sanctify the tabernacle instruments. They'd clean them and make them ready for holy service. And so he's telling these priests, okay, it's time. We're getting ready to do this. So I need you priests to sanctify yourself. Get yourself ready spiritually to do that which is at hand because we are going to bring God back to the center of the nation of Israel. So as we come down, look what transpires in verse 12. Ye are the chief of the fathers of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, both ye and your brethren, 
that ye may bring up the ark of the Lord of Israel unto the place that I have prepared for it. For because ye did it not at the first. And so what does David do right there? What's he do? What, just that you didn't do it at the first. What's he acknowledging? He's acknowledging they made a mistake. And, and you know what I think? I think desperately our nation needs to step back and take accountability. You know, the young women and young men who gave their lives for us to enjoy the freedoms we have, they deserve for us to step back and say, yes, we've made some mistakes. And we need to get back on track. David, he acknowledges we made a mistake. I didn't have you Levites bear it. I didn't do it right. I had, I had it put upon a cart. That's not what's supposed to happen. But instead, the Levites are supposed to bear it. So the priests, verse 14, so the priests and the Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel. And the children of the Levites bear the ark of God upon their shoulders with the staves thereon as Moses had commanded them according to the word of the Lord. Yeah, it's an interesting thing that God chose to have the ark transported upon the shoulders of the priests. Because he, from the very beginning, could have designed it to be transported on a cart. When they left Egypt, what did they bring with them? Does anybody remember? What did the, what did the Israelites bring with them out of Egypt? There's a bunch of stuff, so let's list it off. What did they bring? Well, they brought earrings and they brought all kinds of trinkets and stuff that they had borrowed from their, from their neighbors. Yes, they brought treasure, didn't they? Absolutely. And when we did the tabernacle study, we learned about the silver, the gold that they had brought out of Egypt. And they brought flocks. Sheep and oxen. That's exactly right. So they had brought with them livestock. Somebody asked me the other day, they said, I'm confused. Why do you think it is that they're eating manna in the wilderness when they brought all their flocks with them? But let me ask you, what were these people in Egypt? You remember? They were slaves. So how big do you think their flocks were? They didn't have hundreds. Listen, they might have had a few in the backyard and maybe accumulated, you might have a flock of 50 out of a neighborhood, but they didn't have massive flocks like we think of flocks. So all of a sudden they get into the wilderness and if they kill everything they have for lunch, they have nothing to go ahead and continue with. So they didn't have enough, but they had some. So they had oxen when they came out of Egypt they had oxen when God went ahead and designed the, the tabernacle and, and all of that. Why didn't he go ahead and say, just build a brand new cart, a nice cart, find the best cart drivers that you can find in the neighborhood. That's not God's design. But what did he do? He designed it to be born upon the shoulders of the priests. It's an interesting picture of how that you and I, we need to do our diligence. We need to do our work. He could have 
he could have made the thing a hovercraft if he wanted to. But he wanted the priests to bear it upon their shoulder. A personal connection between them and God and the service of God. It's an important part of even us today. You and I, we have to get our hands dirty. We have to get out there. We've got to get the work done. Even as the ark goes out and it tosses out candy to boys and girls, as they go ahead and have a presence in the community as Victory Baptist Church, Church Ark Preschool Kindergarten, that's why we're giving out the American flag with the little gospel verses on the back. Because we do have to do the work. We do need to be connected. Can God not do it without us? Of course he could. He says he could raise up the stones to proclaim his name. He certainly had a donkey do it, didn't he? But he chooses you and I. He chooses us. And so we see that in this case as well. So verse 15, it tells us, And the children of the Levites bear the ark of God upon their shoulders with the staves thereon, as Moses had commanded according to the word of the Lord. They went back and checked the word, didn't they? And David spake to the chief of the Levites to appoint their brethren to be the singers with instruments of music, psaltery, harps, cymbals, sounding, uh, sounding by lifting up the voice with joy. They didn't change that part because that part wasn't wrong. They went ahead and sang and praised God and made music. But they got it right. And they brought the ark to Jerusalem. You and I, we look at the nation we live in. And for sure, our nation is spiritually ill. And we need to bear the ark upon our shoulders. We need to get the message out there. We have to do our part. We can't be intimidated by everybody around us and, and shut down and close down. Saul successfully turned the hearts of the people to where they sought after strange gods instead of turning to the true and living God. And in my lifetime, and in your lifetime, we have seen them turn the hearts of our nation away from the things of God. We stand back in amazement. It was mentioned in men's prayer breakfast this morning about uh, they had a drag queen open up the Montpelier Senate or something over there. Had a drag queen opening prayer, you said, Terry. That's what uh, our Christian brother told me. Yeah, and I, I'm not fully aware of all that, but it doesn't shock me they have drag Queen readings at libraries for boys and girls and crazy things like this. We step back and we say to ourselves, are you serious? Is this the same place I grew up in? Is this the same nation that's one nation under God? Well, yeah, it is. But something has changed. Just like David said, they have stopped inquiring of the Lord. <coughs> and you and I, we are a small remnant, but yet we are a remnant. And God always has his remnant. And he calls us to do our part. So my challenge to you tonight is as we go out, as we go to do our business this week, as we go to the Memorial Day Parade tomorrow or about whatever it is that you have scheduled in your life to do,
Do so as David sent forth messengers to let all the people know, you know what, we need to come back. We need to come back as a people to a place where we gather and pray. A number of years, not this year, but a number of years, I have been invited to come up on the green at the end of the Memorial Day Parade and either open or close the services there on the green. And they still, and I'm sure if, if I'm here another 20 years or 30 years or 35 years, I'm sure I'll be invited again because they bring clergy in the area up onto the little pavilion there and we either open or close it in prayer. And that is nice. It's respectful. It honors our history, but it's not enough. We need to get people to pray, not just clergy, people to pray for our nation. Amen? Amen. So let's do our part as we go into this Memorial Day tomorrow People really have paid the price. Let's honor them by giving, doing our part of getting our country to come back to the values, the standards that those young people gave their lives for. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll be dismissed. Thanks so much for coming out tonight. Father in heaven, as we get ready to be dismissed from our service this evening, I pray for your Holy Spirit to guide and direct us. Help us to be that voice that messenger sent forth, that we might convince the congregation, even as the text said, as, as David sent out those messengers to the congregation of Israel, help us to be a voice. For we have a nation that needs to return to you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.